Coming up on this week's episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy. What we need to do is be a lot more discerning about the stuff we take as gospel that we read, that we see in the internet, and realize that for right now, for this moment in time, nobody's regulating it. Nobody's saying whether it's truthful or false. Hey guys, it's Dr. Hyman. I'm willing to bet that you're like me. And then one of the first signs of aging you noticed was on your skin. Now those fine lines and wrinkles and uneven spots start to creep in and we can see an overall decline in the texture and firmness we used to have in our skin. And you'll notice it takes longer for wounds to heal too and that scars might be more noticeable. It's actually more than just appearance. It's a sign of the aging processes happening below the surface of the skin in our cells. And one big reason for that is that as we age, we produce less collagen. Collagen is the most abundant protein in the body, and it's really like the glue that holds everything together. So supporting collagen production can make a huge difference for helping our skin and the rest of our body stay young. So I always love checking out the latest science for anti-aging and healthy aging, and I recently discovered a new device called Juve. It's a red light therapy device. Red light therapy is a super gentle, non-invasive treatment where a device with medical-grade LED lights delivers concentrated light to your skin. It actually helps your cells produce collagen so it improves skin tone and complexion. It diminishes the sign of aging like wrinkles and speeds the healing of wounds and scars. And it couldn't be easier. I just stand in front of this relaxing red light for a few minutes a day and that's it. Not only is Juve great for your skin, but it can also help you recover from injuries, aches and pains, and help you sleep better. To check out Juve products for yourself, head over to juve.com forward slash pharmacy. That's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash pharmacy. That's F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. And once you're there, you'll see a special bonus the Juve team is giving away to my listeners. Just use the code pharmacy, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y at the checkout. This is one of the simplest tools you can use to fight aging and to boost collagen production that's available to use right in your own home. And I hope you check it out to see why I love using Juve. With all the factory farm animal products at the supermarket, it's hard to find meat that actually supports your health goals instead of hurting them. Feedlot cows are pumped full of antibiotics and hormones and they're fed corn that makes the meat not so healthy. And that is why I love grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef from ButcherBox. Ground beef is probably the most dynamic protein out there. I love how quickly it makes up a healthy meal without a lot of fuss or muss. Grass-fed meat is also better for the environment, so you can feel better eating it. In fact, grass-fed and grass-finished beef actually helps put carbon back into the soil, reversing climate change. And with ButcherBox, I get 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef delivered right to my doorstep. They also offer wild-caught salmon, which I love including in my weekly meal plans too. And grass-fed ground beef is the first protein I recommend for people who are trying to get more comfortable in the kitchen because you can just throw in a pan with some salt, herbs, and spices, and it just makes a great meal. My favorite way to cook grass-fed ground beef is by sautéing it with lots of fresh garlic and onions and peppers and cumin and chili oil and oregano and tossing it over a bed of greens for a super easy homemade taco salad. Just talking about this makes me hungry. So if you've been looking for a way to get higher quality protein in your own diet, be sure to check out the grass-fed beef from ButcherBox, along with all their other humanely raised meats that are never given antibiotics or added hormones. They make eating well easy, delicious, and accessible. And now through March 31st, 2020, new subscribers to ButcherBox will receive ground beef for life. (laughs) That's right. Sign up today and ButcherBox will send you two pounds of 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef 
free in every box for the life of your subscription. Plus, listeners will get an additional $20 off their first box. So to receive this limited time offer, go to butcherbox.com forward slash pharmacy, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. That's butcherbox.com forward slash pharmacy. Now let's dive into today's show, the next episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy. Hi, everyone. Just wanted to let you know that this episode contains some colorful language. So if you're listening with kids, you might want to save this episode for later. Welcome to the Doctor's Pharmacy. I'm Dr. Mark Hyman. That's pharmacy with an F, F-A-R-M-E-C-Y, a place for conversations that matter. And if you care about digital privacy and your data, this is the conversation you should listen to because though you may think you're making choices on your own, you may not be, and your free will is being usurped in ways that are invisible, insidious, and nefarious. And the guest we have today is the guy to talk about it because he was involved at Ground Zero, Andy Russell. And Andy, I met at a party a number of uh, weeks ago, and we had a brief conversation that just shocked me and I wanted everybody to hear this even though it's not about health and medicine or food it is about our mental health and it is about our brain how it works and how it's being undermined by various activities that are happening across the technology world that you may not be aware of and I certainly think of myself as well informed but I was not really aware of the depth of the use of our personal data against us to make us do things that we think are our choices but may not be. So Andy is a digital media, ad tech, marketing tech, data science innovator, as well as a pioneer and self-taught behavioral economist. He went to Cornell as I did and he took the same psychology class. He went further with it (laughs) and veered off into medicine. He's incubated and run over 50 technology companies, including many you might have heard of, including Daily Candy, Thrillist, Tasting Table, Ideal Bite, Pure Wow Zynga, heard of that, Betaworks, Business Insider, and on and on and on. He also was a founding partner with Bob Pittman, who is an incredible brand guy you might have heard about uh, in the private equity firm Pilot Group, and he's co-founder of one of New York's best hotspots, a restaurant lounge, Moomba, which he did when he was 26, which is impressive. I don't know what I was doing when I was 26. I was in medical <laughs> school. Um, and he's the chairman of Treathouse. Uh, he's also does a lot of philanthropic stuff, working on the board of uh, Mount Sinai, Department of Children and Adolescent Psychiatry. He's on the advisory council for the New York Stem Cell Research Foundation and founding chairman of BUILD New York, and has been a keynote speaker at the Prentice School that specializes in teaching students with dyslexia. Um, and he's a recipient of Network's 2020 Global Leadership Award, uh, on and on and on. So the uh, the fact that you went to Cornell is awesome because I went there uh, and you graduated in abnormal psychology. I thought that was a joke in your bio, but it's actually a thing. Uh, we'll talk about what that means. And uh, you also went to Columbia Business School. So you're a smart dude. And the reason I invited you on this podcast was to talk about what's happening underneath the surface of our smartphones and our web browsers that people just aren't aware of. Everybody hears about data privacy. We hear about our 50 million emails. I mean, uh, 50 million Facebook profiles being yeah. stolen by Cambridge Analytica that's used against us. And we hear about all these hearings in the Senate and Congress from Mark Zuckerberg and Zuckerberg and Google. And and yet, um, most of us don't probably understand it very well, including me. So I invited you here to educate me and us about what's actually happening in this technology landscape. And the conversation that got me really intrigued was you said that the this technology which is sort of agnostic it be used for good or bad to target people using digital marketing and advertising was being used against us in ways that um, we weren't aware of for political purposes and that we're also being used 
in a one-sided way by Republicans and the Democrats, you hinted, weren't up to speed on what they should be up to speed on to have an even playing field. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican doesn't matter. But, you know, if one political party has a technology, sort of like a smart bomb, that the other group doesn't, we're in trouble, right? Because then it's not a, it's a, not a democracy. fair democracy, right? It's not a fair democracy. And that, that that's what worries me. And I want to sort of get into to sort of what, first let's start off with sort of the, the high level. Um, you know, what happens when we go on our phones and our websites and yeah. we're browsing around and doing stuff? Like how much is Google and Facebook and all these apps watching and what are they doing with all this data they collect like tell tell us about how this works at sort of start at the 30,000 foot level because I don't think people understand sure uh so basically imagine your your worst nightmare um of being watched uh every action you do uh every feeling you have uh any uh uh emotion you might have not just the things you purchase but uh deep into your soul uh, your insecurities uh, are their ways of uh, pulling those out of you. Um, so using your worst traits against you. Uh, well, so it's just technology, right? It's just tech. Um, so there is a parallel universe where the internet uh, knows so much about you that the internet knows the things that you want should want will make you happier, uh, have a more joyous life, and have less frustrations. Uh, there's a parallel universe. That sounds well, good. Yeah, it sounds amazing. <laughs> and this is what we were trying to build, um, like all of us uh, who've been part of building yeah. the infrastructure of, of the internet and, and digital technologies. Uh, imagine a world where uh, companies uh, create services and products that are very valuable to segments of the population. And segments of the population uh, have needs, desires, and wants. And uh, there's a connectivity or a curation where it's easy for those consumers to find those things that they want, yeah. making their life better and easier. And it's easier for companies to find those consumers, uh, making their businesses grow with uh, less cost, less uh, inefficiencies. That, yeah. that's, the, that's what we were trying to build like really trying to build. Yeah, so uh, if, I, if I create my Broken Brain docu-series and I want to share it with people and I do Facebook ads, I can actually get it to people who might be suffering and benefit from it. That's a 100%. good thing. Not bad. We do I, that. I do that. I mean, 100%. Like you actually provide real value to real people and the real people out there who maybe don't know that you exist, but wow, once they found out that you exist, you could their lives would be better. Yeah, right? okay. That's, that's fantastic. Now, the flip side of that um, is uh, we do live in a capitalist society, and I'm fine with capitalism. Um, uh, but uh, as a venture capitalist, you'd imagine you would be. <laughs> yeah, and, and I believe in uh, hard work, right, and uh, competition, um, and uh, that hard work and competition and capitalism drives some innovation, right. Uh, but when greed and power uh, uh, overstep their bounds. Uh, the same technologies uh, that could be used for very good purposes, right? mm. uh, satisfying needs of people, uh, lowering their anxieties, uh, making them overall happier, 
uh, mm. less angry, mm. less frustrated, less hate. Mm. Um, uh, the same technologies can tear us apart. Yeah. And make us paranoid of uh, those around us. And we've seen it. So this isn't a new thing with sociology or anthropology. You see it all throughout history. Yeah, I mean, you have demagogues. I mean, you can activate people like Hitler did, and right. Yeah. So they're, 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 they had propaganda films. They had, they had more crude technologies, but now this is just this is just uh, uh, propaganda on steroids. Yeah, and opposed to a single message going out to a greater population, um, it uh, it's going directly to you um, because in your newsfeed or the ads that you see or the content that you see. Uh, whether you put a search into Google or you're flipping through your your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed, your Snapchat feed, anything, it's personalized to you, right? Now, why is it personalized to you? Well, obviously, um, the, those big tech companies know a lot about you. Mm. Now, in a perfect world, that's great. You have a personal curation service of valuable information to you. Uh, but in an imperfect world, which is what we obviously live in, uh, it turns into manipulation and it can get so dangerous and it already has where it turns into um, almost hypnotism. Right. So, and, so here's and, the and thing. Here's like advertising, when there's an ad on TV uh-huh. or there's a radio ad or there's an ad on a podcast, you yep. know you're being sold to. Yep. It's pretty obvious. 100%. This is news masquerading as well, this is ads masquerading as news, right? This is insidious ways of communicating that you don't know you're being targeted. But it's not only ads. Um, it's, it's content. It's content. Yeah. It's that news article that seems like it's an authentic news article. But 100%. It's essentially because the, anybody can put up a website. Right. And can put up a Facebook page. Right. Or can put up a Twitter handle or uh, you know a, a LinkedIn, LinkedIn uh, page or an Instagram page and all of a sudden can put a name to it that sounds somewhat official and can start making up their own news. Yeah. And um, this is sort of this has sort of become completely uh, unregulated because we didn't we didn't really understand that this was going to be a problem. You know, and there's, we, been, there's been zero time to regulate it. It's like happened so fast that it's it hasn't been people don't even know what's going on, right? Not 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 a clue. And 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 what what's very upsetting at least to me, seeing I, I've been in this industry for over 20 years, specifically in this industry. Digital ads and marketing. Digital ads, targeting, yeah, um, persuasion, but more around advertising to get people to buy certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the laws uh, that were written um, for television and for print and for radio um, don't uh, apply. Uh, to the laws uh, that are written for the internet, so we're completely in the wild, wild west. And to make matters worse, um, people who make those laws and who have uh, policy uh, are not digital natives in the slightest. And In other words, the 60-year-old lawmakers didn't grow up with technology. And don't have a clue how the algorithms work. Right. And uh, what you know, Zuckerberg's uh, Senate hearing. What was it like two years ago? Yeah. Um, being somebody who like literally, I go hands on keyboards. I look at the dashboards. Um, I know exactly where uh, everybody is, what they're doing, how to target. Da da da. It was painful to me uh, to watch the senators ask questions 
um, because it was so blatant that they were just completely clueless. Now, I don't blame them for being clueless. That's not what they're experts at. Yeah. Right? Um, it's kind of like um, having regulators uh, looking at uh, a, uh, astrophysics or uh, satellites or yeah. rockets around yeah. the technology behind it. Right. right? Or, or the mechanics of a car. Like, yeah. I can't build a car. Right. I have no idea how to go in there and make a car right. work. And, and to make things worse, um, uh, a lot of the journalists uh, who cover the space uh, aren't real experts in the tactical uh, aspects of how information flows, uh, how data flows. Um, and so they get stuck using big words. I'm sure everybody uh, listening to this has heard the term big data yeah. lots of times. Yeah. What does Do that they mean? really know what it means? Yeah. Algorithm. Okay, cool. But what does it really, really mean? mean? Right. Um, machine learning. Interesting word. Like, wow. But what does it mean? AI. A yeah. Artificial intelligence. Ooh, sexy word. Cool. What does it mean? Yeah, tell us. <laughs> what do these <laughs> things mean? Because, I, you know, I, I, I'm hearing things, and I don't know if they're accurate or not, but I mean, I heard one woman give a talk, and she said, you know, there's up to 3 billion data points on every person that, that, that these companies collect all of our activities, where we shop, where we go. They have location tracking on our phone. They know where we are. There's geo-targeting. They can literally ping people's phones if they're at a rally and be able to then target them later. There's, there's, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're on your phone and all of a sudden you're talking to a friend about something and then some ad for that thing you're talking about pops up on your phone. Are they listening? Is the iPhone listening? You know, uh, are, are Google and Facebook selling your data to third parties that are using it against us? Are third parties who are selling it back to Google and Facebook? Like, what's happening? I just, sure. I read the other day that, that uh, when you go to WebMD, WebMD sells the data on what you're searching on. If you have heartburn or you have cancer or you have constipation or a headache, it sells that data back to Google and Facebook, which then can use it to target you. And like, that just seems like a real invasion of privacy. All right, so let, let's break some myths here. Okay, go. <laughs> Hardcore, just break some myths. Um, so number one. Like, by, by the way, I'm a doctor. I don't know anything about technology. So I'm, I'm here right. like with everybody listening, trying to figure this out. Right. So that's why I brought Andy. Right. So, so let's have fun. <laughs> What's data? Like literally, oh my God, they have all my data. Oh, we should have data rights and data privacy. Like, what kind of data are you talking about? Well, they search like, for a vacation in Mongolia that I wanted to buy a you know new iPhone that I, whatever you know like right they know that. Okay, so let let me just break it down. For you. <laughs> all right. So uh, you know how uh, every morning or so uh, you get a piece of maybe two or three or four pieces of direct mail, mm. snail mail, the old fashioned stuff. Oh yeah. In your mailbox, <clears throat> right? Um, the ones I don't open and throw in recycling? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, there are 10,000 direct mail campaigns, different campaigns that happen every day in this country. I'm assuming you don't get 10,000 pieces of direct mail. Mm -mm. Huh, you ever wonder why? Because they know shit about me. Because they know a lot of shit about you. Yeah. Like a lot, right? So for, <clears throat> since the birth of the credit card and even before then, okay, uh, they're big data companies. Companies such as Experian, Epsilon, Oracle, Alliant, lots of them, okay? Mm. And what they've done for decades 
is against you as a persona. Create a profile. Right? Create a profile on you. So how the hell does some company, which is just like a company with a name like Epsilon. They buy. They buy what? Your data. Your from profile. who? From? All the credit card companies. Yeah. So every credit card company sells companies like Axiom, Experian, Epsilon. Uh, information on every purchase you've ever made up with those credit cards. And yeah. this has been going on for decades, yeah. decades. Like my um, wife buys all these cat toys and cat things and cat exercise wheels. And so she gets targeted all the time with cat stuff. No, but, but let's come back to the, the old fashioned stuff, pre-internet. Right? Yeah. Because this is not like a new phenomenon. Yeah, it's just more right. So uh, who else sells uh, this information to the big data companies? The banks? Like you have, a, you have your money in a bank, right? Mm. So all that information, uh, uh, your tax records, so <coughs> how much money you make, how much taxes. The IRS you spend, sells your tax data? No. All of it is sold to the big data companies. All of it. How do right. the government sell your tax return data? It, most of it's put on public record. Uh, that stuff. And then. So how come we don't have Trump's tax returns then? <laughs> good question. <laughs> like, very, like very, very, very like I, I, that I can't answer. I, I, I can't answer mm. that. Mm. Um, but what airlines you fly, yeah. <clears throat> that you went to Cornell, yeah. that you're a doctor, uh, every address you've ever lived at, right? Mm. Yeah. And then what they do, because they've got you know, hundreds of thousands of individuals, that they have that level of Millions. detailed data on. Um, it's so here. So that's the kind of data we're talking about for offline stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, then you can append to it like, oh, what television shows are watching your home? Mm. That's good. Right. Yeah. What kind of car you drive? Yeah. How long you've driven the car? Might you now be in the market for a new car? Yeah. Because we know that you have uh, whatever kind of car and you've been driving for leases time, up soon. <laughs> and you've you've only bought tires like six years ago and you had your oil change. I mean, they know everything. Right? Yeah. So then uh, the the data companies take uh, all these personas, people, individuals, human beings, and all this. Inf let's stop calling it data information about these people. Yes. OK. Right? Yeah. And run what's called predictive models against these people and say that there's like, you know, 50,000 people who have like 60% of the same purchases that you've made for the past two years. And then, you know, of those people, the next purchase they made, they went on to get a Amex Platinum card. Yeah. But you haven't yet gotten your Amex Platinum card. Yeah. So if you model all this purchase behavior off of all the people who have similar purchase, <clears throat> upbringing, educational yeah. income levels as you, huh, now it's worth sending you a piece of direct mail, offering you the opportunity to get a Amex Platinum, Platinum, card. Platinum card. And by the way, that piece of mail costs 72 cents. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot, it's a fortune to get to you. And uh, the estimate of the industry is that only you like, oh, they throw it away, I throw it away, I throw it away. 2% of the time, and it you gets open, open it. it. Yeah. 2%. So if it's 2% of the time and it costs 72 cents, it means to get you to open that is $35. Yeah. Holy shit, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So guess per what? Per person. Per person. So now you can extrapolate, huh, if I have a lot of information on someone, a lot, 
and I compare it to a lot of information on lots of other people, and therefore I can predict what your next purchase might be. Yeah. Therefore, it's <clears throat> worth $35 yeah. for me to get that piece of mail in your hands and for you to open it up. Yeah. Okay? And the number of... And this is all analog. You're not even talking digital yet. I'm just talking analog because this is the birth of the whole thing. Yeah. So they know how to do this. They've been doing it for years. And then the digital revolution comes along and all of a sudden... Everybody freaks. It's like a million X on that. Everybody freaks. Oh my God, my data, my personal data. Holy cow. People know stuff about me. Really? Well, they did, but it can't... But, but you know, you weren't getting, you know, news feeds that were fiction. Correct. Right. You weren't getting, you know, some fake newspaper... In That's your box. where it got really right. bad. And I, I, I just want to back up a little bit because most people don't realize that there was sort of a pivotal moment in the media with the repeal of the Fairness Doctrine. Now, the Fairness Doctrine was a uh, regulation law that basically mandated that all news was fair and was, you know, honest and equal. And mm-hmm. that's when you had, you know, Walter Cronkite, Dan Rather, Tom Brokaw, Peter Jennings, you know, ABC, CBS, NBC. That was it. It wasn't yep. CNN. There wasn't anything, right? right? And I remember those days because I'm that old. <laughs> I remember those days. And, you know, you could trust it. You know, they were trustworthy. It was fair and partial. That got repealed under Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And that led to the birth of alternative media and yeah. Fox News and yes. other other channels of distribution of information so that... All of a sudden now when you read the news, it may not be news. I mean, I used to live in China and it was a totalitarian state where the people's daily was fiction. Yeah. You know, it was fiction. Yes. And it's not, and, and what they people mostly did with it was wipe their butt because they didn't have toilet paper with it, which is probably the best use for the people's daily. So I, I think that's actually happening now, but we don't know it. But people, that's also so people knew that the people's daily was fiction. You know, yes. Chinese citizens yes. understood that it was propaganda. Yes. But we don't know that yeah. anymore. So, so I'm forgetting the date. It was either 1995 or 1996. There was an article put into, I think, the Communications Act that said that uh, any digital platform, that digital platform uh, that has content on it that is provided by a third party, the platform itself is not responsible for the content that is on the platform. So if Facebook puts up a jihadist post, then it's not responsible for that. Yes, and it, by the way, it's like a 16-word um, article uh, in, in Some this document. Some obscure regulation. That, that's it, and that's the loophole uh, that protects Facebook, uh, Google, uh, or any digital publisher that takes third-party uh, content. content. That's it, and if it weren't for that one little article, in that in that document, but then what's, Facebook but, would be responsible. But for what's, its own content. what's really concerning, though, it's not that that third parties put stuff on Google and Facebook and other digital platforms. Is that then those platforms, Google and Facebook and others, sell our data to third parties? Oh, it's worse than that. To other other no. groups that may use it for good or so may use really. it for bad. So not really. No, not really. <clears throat> so what happened in 2014? Okay. Mm. Um, so think about it. You, you, you log on to Facebook with one email address, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But you probably have like four or five or six different email addresses over your lifetime, Yeah, right? And you log on to Google with uh, an email address, but you probably have six or seven different email addresses. 
Yeah. And same thing for YouTube and same thing for Instagram. Sure. Okay. So in the years kind of 2013, 14, and 15, all these big data companies, the one I just told you about that were buying all your credit card information, all your financial information, your travel information, uh, they started, it's called appending to your file, yeah. adding to your file, yeah. uh, all of your email addresses. Yeah. All of them, right? So in 2014, um, all of the big data companies then they went were analog. To, they then got digital. Analog went to Facebook and went to Google. And because Facebook owns Instagram, same thing with Instagram. And because Google owns YouTube, YouTube. same thing with YouTube. Um, if the email address that you logged on to Facebook with, they had as one of their set, the data companies had as one of their seven email addresses, they were able to find you and they they sold all the data, your offline data, behind the scenes to Facebook and to Google. So it was like a swap, it's a big data swap. No, it was a cash sale, 25 million well, bucks. They sold, they sold it, but it was basically, Facebook and Google gave them their digital data. No, they didn't. They didn't give them the emails? No, because remember, you logged onto Facebook with one email yeah, address. Yeah. Um, if the data companies had that email address as one of their seven, right? They were able to find you. Yeah. And it was a financial transaction. Yeah. The data companies sold to Facebook all of the offline data yeah. on you, plus six up to six additional email addresses on you. Okay, so this is this is this is just fine if those that information was being used to better curate what we think we might like, right? Because I don't mind getting ads about things that I might want to buy that I didn't know about. Correct. I, I, I can sort of sift through that. Correct. But what, what's really happened, is, and what I really want to get into now, is the political piece of this. Okay. So there's a movie called The Great Hack, which I'm sure you saw and know I about. I did a screening of it. And it did a screening of it. It, it for, it's on Netflix. For those who haven't watched it, please watch it's, it. It's a must watch. <clears throat> but essentially, you I know, mean, it's like a must, must, must have to watch for any human being in society who uh, cares about how they make decisions and how we're influenced uh, by uh, good or bad actors. Yeah. So, so th this is really important that you said. I agree. Everybody should watch it. And and. The reason it was so disturbing to me, because I, I understand the food system really well, and I understand how they use their tactics, which I wrote about in my book, Food Fix, coming out in February 2020, how they use their tactics to drive our eating behavior and our food choices and the food that's grown and all that. And I think that's one of the biggest threats to humanity and the planet today. I agree. But when I started learning about what's in The Great Hack, and when I heard this woman, Brittany Kaiser, give a talk, I was like, and talking to you, I was like, wait a minute, there's another big threat that is not so obvious. Everybody understands Maybe it. Maybe even worse. People drink Coca-Cola, we get that it's not great for you, right? But this is invisible for most people. Yes. We kind of know that you know we get curated ads and stuff, and we're sort of aware of it. But what this, this movie highlighted was <clears throat> how this company, Cambridge Analytica, created a personality typing yep. based on all these data points, whether it's 3 million or 3 billion, I don't know how many it is, but there's a lot of information on us yep. from all these sources, from the analog sources, from the digital sources, from every activity we do. I mean, I went on my iPhone and like you can stop the tracking of, of 
your phone because they track your phone and what you go on and they, they target ads to it's yes. like and then they sell that i don't know if iphone's listening or not to us it seems like it is sometimes and they sell that data to google and facebook i don't know if that's true but i heard that somewhere and and what's concerning me is then they use this for more nefarious purposes it wasn't yes. selling you a new jacket a new shoe or something you might like it was selling you political ideas yes and it was using the personality typing to target and it's not just political messaging. ideas it is seeding a fear inside of your head yeah and then it is uh watering that seed of an idea fertilizing that seed of an idea surround sounding you in an echo chamber yeah reverberating that fear back into your head until you take an action exactly yeah that's what was striking to me was that they know us better than we know ourselves they know our weaknesses and fears and insecurities better than we know them. And they use that data to create customized messaging to manipulate our behavior so that free will becomes a fiction. And then they're doing this not just in the last election where they created campaigns targeting, for example, certain voters with certain weaknesses to get them to shift their allegiance, but they're doing this globally. And so they're activating despots all around the world. And I don't understand their motivation or what their motivation was to start to put in you know, right-wing despots and fascists across the, across the globe, but that's what they've done. And then they've also activated- Are you commun- speaking just about Cambridge Analytica? <clears throat> well, I, that's all I know about. I'm sure there's more going on that I don't know about. But I, 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 what struck me really was that, that they were able to activate different groups. So in other words, if there's a riot of you know african americans and white supremacists that show up in a certain place at a certain time it ain't spontaneous it literally can be orchestrated and people can be driven to show up to activate those riots or those conflicts that are manufactured that then create a whole downstream set of consequences that are not good so absolutely that's terrifying to me and people who show up at those rallies think, oh i this is my idea this is my belief this is what i feel but it turns out it may not be so nobody wants to think that they are uh, influenceable or persuadable. Like we like to think that our brains are so magnificent and we have free will and we make our own decisions and we're you know, rational human beings. Yeah. Right? Uh, well, so a really famous uh, uh, psychologist, Daniel Kahneman, uh, who actually won the Nobel Prize in economics uh, based on something called cognitive biases, yeah. uh, insecurities, and how we make decisions. Uh, he said something at, at a speech once that really freaked me out. <laughs> he said, uh, the human being uh, remembers about 0.05% of their memories. Of their memories, 0.05%. Of their memories. Yeah. And a memory's period of time, moments of time, are defined as three seconds, intervals. Because uh-huh. right? that's how long it takes for the... Uh, the neurons to actually fire and create a, a, a memory, right? Yeah. Three seconds. Um, if we're only remembering 0.05% of all of our memories and all the actions we've done, uh, a computer database that remembers all of it. All of it. Including, yes, where you take your cell phone, right? As you go on an easy pass, uh, as you use uh, Google Maps, uh, plus all your offline purchase data, everywhere you've ever lived, everyone, everywhere you've ever had a meal. If you go by, uh, yes. Yep. Coffee, what, what vitamins you, you take, everything like that. Plus, uh, it's studying uh, what content you read, what videos you watch, uh, what uh, magazines you subscribe to. Um, holy shit. 
so now it's like, wait a second, what do you mean Google or, or Facebook or YouTube knows me better than I know myself? Well, excuse me, Mr. or Mrs. Human Being, uh, you only remember 0.05%. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the computers, uh, the databases remember all of it. Yeah. And therefore, as they're studying that stuff, uh, it becomes very easy, scarily, wickedly easy to tap into your insecurities and your yeah. fears by playing you information that they already know will rattle you and trigger you. Yeah. And it's one thing if they're selling you some stuff to buy. It's another thing if they're selling you political ideology or hate. Or hate. Or fear. Or fear. And I'll just give you a really nice example. And by the way, I, I consider myself a centrist mm. uh, when it comes to politics. Mm. Right? But I'll give you a really good example. Um, I'm, I'm a hardworking American. Right? Uh, I live in, in Texas. Right? And I have kids and I have to, you know, I clothe them and medical expenses and all that. And I've worked my butt off for years. Right? I'm trying to save a little bit of money for retirement, um, but I've got like another 12 years of work. And then uh, I just have to say to you, uh, the immigrants are coming across the, the border. Right, they're gonna and, take your job. And they're gonna take your job. Well, that's my greatest fear, that mm -hmm. I'm gonna lose my job and not be able to uh, take care of my family. Yeah. Like that's a real fear of mine, right? The aliens are coming. <laughs> but, they're, but not just that they're crossing the border, they're coming for your job. And, hmm, now let's just say they're coming across the border, they're gonna have no money, and they're coming from violent places. Now they're gonna do violent things to your family. Well, that's another real fear of mine. And those are legitimate fears, right? Yeah. I want the safety for my family. I want um, to have my job to be able to take care of my yeah. family. So it's very, very easy uh, to use uh, fear tactics around things that uh, aren't true, yeah. might be a little bit true, might be like a small chance of being true, but like, huh. Yeah, I remember, I, remember, I remember the rally, the white supremacist rally in Virginia, and it was like the white supremacists were yelling, you know, Jews will not replace us. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, well, first of all, there's not that many of us. <laughs> Jews will and, not. Jews and I'm like, what? And I'm like, we probably don't want those jobs. They're not going to do those jobs, whatever. Like, I just don't, I didn't understand. So here it's Jews will not replace us, right? And then it was uh, immigrants will not replace us. And then in Europe, it's Muslims will not replace us. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, holy cow. Others are coming to take away what's mine. Yeah. And I've worked really hard for the psychology. But that's just one example of a whole series of things. It's not just people who, you know, yes. might not be, you know, worried about their job, but there'd be other ways of targeting fears and insecurities Absolutely. around political action. So the defeat of crooked Hillary, whether you're for or against Hillary or not, the methodology that was used was to target Hillary voters, people yeah. who were for Hillary, yeah. with information, misinformation, yes. to actually sway those voters to not vote for Hillary, to stay home or vote for Trump. Uh, Hillary's running a child sex slave operation out of a out of the a basement of a pizzeria. I remember that. Yeah, that was that wasn't true. <laughs> Actually, so so I follow up on all this stuff, right? And uh, uh, people went to that pizzeria right, <laughs> to free those poor children. Yes. Um, and there was no basement, and there were no children. Yeah. But 
damn it, does that work? It works, right. Holy, <laughs> I mean, just completely false. Like completely false. So where are we at now? Because if this is happening, yeah. um, you know, we're facing another election. Yes. And one of the things you said to me was that, you know, one team, the Republican team, understands yeah. this technology, knows how to use it. And the other team, the Democrats, don't really know what's going right. on. So what we've discussed. And, and so we're facing an election coming up, which we think is about representative democracy. Yeah. But has turned into a little bit of a totalitarian yeah. process. And by the way. Is, just, that, I, is that overstating it? That's understating it. Okay. Well, give us the real deal then. All right. <laughs> so what we've discussed so far, so far is we've now changed this term data to being just information. Your about personal you. information. And the, just like everything you've ever done and everything you read and everything you care about and just information about you. It's not data. It's just like everything about you. But who owns that? We thought we own it, but we don't own it. That's a whole, we'll talk about that. Okay. We've never owned that. Right. We've never owned it, but now we want to own it. <laughs> so that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about um, the, the big uh, tech companies, okay? Knowing a lot about you, like a ton. And then we talked about um, uh, psychologically driven uh, advertising messages, which are political. Advertising, right? Trying to convince mm. you to have an idea, do something, vote. Um, and then we spoke about the fact that uh, it can be just totally made up bullshit yeah. stuff. Because um, we know that it will resonate, nauseate like you. Slave trade and core, pizzeria. Right? At the core of who, and by the way, if any of that were true, it should nauseate you. Of course. Right? And by the way, if people really were coming to take your job and, and uh, 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 do damage to your family, and Hillary really was running a child sex slave thing in a pizzeria, <laughs> like, yeah, this is all real stuff that you should be concerned about. Now, yeah. So now we've discussed like the fakeness of it, right? Um, and by the way, who would I be targeting that Hillary sex slave stuff to? Uh, Hillary voters. Well, not just Hillary voters. How about people who have good morals and ethics? Yeah. And like really care about like uh, ending sex slave or who run um, orphanages or who are teachers um, or who care about real humanitarian stuff. Well, if I can like actually convince uh, these people that like Hillary's really running a sex slave operation, then there's no way in hell they're voting for Hillary. And it shows up not as an ad, it shows up as a news story. And that's the whole point. It shows up as, a, as like 30 different news stories across 30 different sites. Uh, therefore, it validates one or the other. And who's writing this nonsense? Um, people get hired um, because people are greedy and uh, people who want to win elections. So they're hired it. by political parties yeah. with all the donation money. Or not, ne not necessarily the political parties, right? So like Breitbart. Super PAC. Yeah, well, Super PAC stuff or people who just like want one candidate to win really, really badly, so they'll just put their own money up mm. and, and just become journalists. But like journalists that uh, publish fake stuff. I mean, just completely fake. Like, and we, I mean, like the AL, Martians have landed in Kansas and like the National Enquirer. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, um, so we've discussed. Or that um, Brad, uh, you know, Brad Pitt is, yeah. you know, actually a Martian. He's not. <laughs> no. So we, we've discussed all, all, all kind of that, which is kind of like the basics underlining of it. Um, 
so why are the Republicans so damn good at it mm. and the Democrats are so damn bad at it, mm. right? So um, now let's not, now let's get away from the fake news part. Yeah. Let's just talk about like political advertising. Yes. All right. Every political year, a billion, over the history of politics, over a billion dollars has been spent on political advertising on television. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Like a lot of money, right? Um, so seeing that the Democrats and Republicans, now literally forget about like the fake stuff. And that was so interesting during the last election for president, the Democrat Hillary spent far more than Trump on winning, but lost. On television. Yes. So, and that Trump spent like 50 million on Facebook ads, right? All right. So, Trump's got a secret weapon. His name is Brad Parscale. Uh, Brad Parscale is a phenomenal, phenomenal digital media marketer. And it's not, he doesn't usually, I mean, yes, he, he ran some, some, some lies about, uh, about Biden, right? I mean, we all read about that. Uh, we know that. The corruption uh, scandal, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, th those were ads uh, that he ran. Um, for the most part, um, Brad Parscale does not run fake news or, or lies uh, uh, about Trump or, or about the opponents. For the most part, he doesn't. Yeah. But what he's damn good at is using the platforms. And it's not just like, oh, there's Facebook, and then there's Google, and then there's Instagram, and there's Google Display, and there's YouTube, and there's email, and then there are different landing pages, um, all as separate things, right? So if you think of the internet as a whole. Yeah, that's right? one thing, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's made up of a whole bunch of different puzzle pieces. Lots of different puzzle pieces. Only one of which is Facebook. Mm -hmm. And by the way, all the tools that are um, got to be pretty sophisticated to know how to really use those tools. And nobody in the old school Democrat or Republican side uh, had ever rolled up their sleeves, got on hands on keyboards and bought actual ads on Facebook, Google, Instagram, n nobody of power or money or in the old system had done that. Uh, what uh, Donald Trump did is he hired a digital media native, Brad Parscale, who was designing websites. Um, who there, was 25. <laughs> there, there is a real methodology, uh -huh. a very specific methodology, otherwise known as a way of putting the puzzle pieces together that turn this type of digital marketing persuasion into a weapon. Yeah, so you're talking about this weapon of mass destruction. Full on weapon of either mass destruction or mass good. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Dem and the Democrats just missed it. N nice and simple, because what Brad Parscale did for Trump only became possible technically, like with all the technology that exists, in 2014. Yeah two years after Obama's election, and exactly two years before the 2016 election. But you're saying even now that Democrats still haven't clued into this? Democrats are part. trying. Um, and, but it, it's only in the past, first of all, once again, 
the movie The Great Hack, uh, everybody has to see it. Because however much you think you know, yeah. nobody knows. Yeah. Watch this movie. It, it's, a, it's a really good insight. Uh, after that movie um, go, have out, a, go have a bottle of tequila. <laughs> yeah, you're going you're gonna to want to like... Move to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be very happy. Uh, it's, but it's good to be aware. I mean, if we don't, if we are aware, that's the first step. I think in hundred percent in protecting ourselves from those influences. You know, if, like, if you if you don't want to be manipulated, if you don't want to be persuaded to do stuff that you don't think is in your best interest, then actually learn. It's like you know the and king. It's, it's like it's when you get movie. these emails now that from the king of Nigeria that left you five million dollars, and all you have to do is give him your bank account information. You're like, you know, people kind of go, okay, I get that, it's a scam, but they don't get that this is a scam. Hundred percent. I mean, you just don't. You just don't know. You 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 really just don't know. Um, so first and foremost, people should see that movie. Yeah. Right? And second is um, four things happened in 2014 mm. uh, that made it possible for the first time ever to do the type of very sophisticated uh, digital marketing that Brad Parscale does. Uh, number one, uh, all those big data companies, Axiom, Experian, Epsilon, Oracle, blah, blah, started appending up to six email addresses. Yeah, that was, that was right? late. It seems late for that to happen. Yeah. Then they all sold all that offline data plus the emails mm. behind the scenes to Facebook and Google, Instagram, and, and, and YouTube, and everybody else. Once that happened, something called uh, Facebook custom audiences mm. got introduced, which meant if you have email lists or email newsletters, which yeah. is what I had, Daily Candy, all, all sure, these like curated, I do. <laughs> curated email newsletter lists, yeah. uh, you could take segments of those people who react to certain content in a certain way, mm -hmm. upload those, and find those people on Facebook. But why can you find them? because you might not have the email address that somebody signed up to Facebook with, but now Facebook has up to seven email addresses on you. Ah, so whatever they sign up to your email newsletter with, as long as it's one of those seven that are on Facebook, you find those people on Facebook. Yeah. So now you can target those people. Yeah. That happened in 2013, 14. And then the next thing that happened is just like I told you, uh, the big data companies, would study all of your behavior mm -hmm. and say the next thing that you might purchase is a Amex Platinum card. Yeah. Now, Facebook gives you the ability to use something called lookalikes against that custom audience. Yeah, because so you once get, you put in that custom sounds audience, like, right. they look at all the data that they have, offline purchase data, where you've lived, everything, behavior data, what you read, blah, blah, blah. See what these people, this cohort of people in custom audience have in common. Yeah. And then Facebook will align you with other people on Facebook who have um, common data sets. Right, so you seem like, you know, you and I seem similar, so then we have the same values, look at the same stuff, so they're and, gonna target us. And, and now what's really fascinating, it's, it's so much more powerful than just the offline purchases, What yes, they have that, but they have your behavioral data on what type of content you watch, see, yeah. Yeah. da da da, right? So now that's, that's the psychological profiling. Yeah, and people don't realize this. When, when you click on a website or click on an area in a website or article, all that data is being tracked. Yes. And so they know what you're interested in, what you're looking at. If you click on the Tesla ad, they know yes. if you're reading an article about climate change, you're reading an article about or immigration, or you're watching a video. I mean, great, Netflix knows which movies I like. I don't 100%. mind that. That's okay. 100%. But this is a different purpose, right? 100%. So, so that was the next thing that Facebook did. It said, oh, if you have a small group, right? 
Now you can plug it in and find everybody else on Facebook who will react to the same emotional storytelling, otherwise can be brainwashed around the same type of mm -hmm. fear tactics. Yeah. And then you remember in 2014, the ice bucket challenge? Yes. I ah, agree. so that's actually the first time video went into the live feed of Facebook. Uh-huh. So yes, I am the guy who freaking noticed, seeing I used to own television stations and knew that there was a billion dollars of video political advertising sure. being done on television. Yeah. Well, holy cow, what if you get a bunch of these you know, email newsletters and then you could study what people care about uh, by what they what subject lines they open up on, what content they read about, yeah. and you study that psychological behavior for long enough, and now you can upload that into the Facebook custom audiences, find all those people are similar, and now you can play them political ads. Yeah. So I was building uh, the, the first ever uh, political advertising agency with video, with hyper-targeted um, psychological um, tactics um, to then grow a billion dollar business out of it for both Democrats and Republicans because it was just a new media channel. Yeah, because that was your job. You were a digital media, ad tech, marketing tech, data innovator. science guy, innovator, right? I so innovate. you like saw, okay, yeah. all these technologies coming together, we can use this to enhance the political process and help people get to voters and Absolutely. help people activate the dem democratic process. Yeah. But you didn't know it was gonna be usurped. So unbeknownst to me, um, the person who I was doing this with uh, ended up being a very close ally of our our now president, and uh, he took the uh, entire uh, game plan tactically all the way down execution, whole nine yards, uh, handed over to uh, our now president, and it is the exact game plan uh, that Brad Parscale, uh, who's Trump's was Trump's uh, digital marketer for the 2016 election, and now he is his uh, campaign manager across the board. Um, and if you watch Brad Parscale uh, in any of his interviews, because he loves press now, mm. um, he just says, oh, I'm just treating the election like marketing. Like this is just direct marketing. Yeah. And I can <clears throat> study the behavior of all these individuals and then collect their email addresses, which you'll see just about every single Trump ad. So it's sort of like a football a game where you know one coach gets the uh, game plan of the other team and then the other team doesn't know they have it and then they're using it against them. Yeah, and unfortunately uh, after this all happened, uh, I didn't have uh, any relationships up at uh, high up in the Democratic Party to be like, although I tried really, really hard. Uh, hey guys, here's the So game you plan. saw this happening in real time? Oh yeah. Before the election? Oh yeah. And I was screaming from the rooftops. From the rooftops. But no one was listening. Well, think how silly it sounded. Yeah, I mean, business partners with this guy who's, you know, kind of a, has a reputation for being a little bit shady. There's this thing called Facebook. Uh, there's uh, email newsletters and this thing called data. And then uh, uh, this uh, real estate uh, tycoon slash... Uh, uh, the TV personality named Donald Trump, and he's going to use this weird methodology of psychological manipulation, uh, and he's going to win the election. I mean, I hate to say this, but Trump is not a digital native. So how did he come to understand this, or was it just the people around him? Um, 
So the person who I was doing uh, this deal with uh, is a very, very, very smart um, publisher. Yeah. Old school, long time, uh, and uh, became very smart at digital. And what does Trump do? He hires really, really well. So we hired a guy named Brad Parscale, who it uh -huh. pisses me off because he's two inches taller than me and I'm uh -huh. six foot six. Uh -huh. And Parscale has the exact game plan and I watch him every day uh, using it. Uh, what it turns out is it, it's a lot more complicated uh, than, uh, than one would think, mm. a lot more complicated than one would think to execute on uh, to perfection. So uh, currently, just about every one of the democratic uh, organizations out there um, are now, after the great hack, and then after the New York Times ran a couple of large articles about the Democrats being far behind, mm. uh, now they're like, oh, we must spend more money on digital and on Facebook. But if you don't spend it the right way, way you're throwing away money. So right? who's advising them? Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, there is one group who's actually uh, really, really good mm. uh, at this. And they don't do this in a nefarious way whatsoever. Um, they just use the communication channel uh, the best way. So Courier Media? Yeah, well, it's, it's Courier Media and, and a group called Acronym. Uh, and, and they're uh, they're just very good uh, at, at this. They're, they're the best that the Democrats have. Um, uh, but listen, we're under a year out um, from this election. And Brad Parscale has been doing this for five years yeah. and has email addresses, data, and has uh, brainwashed uh, a fair chunk of, of Americans. And by the way, I don't hold it against the, the, the like Americans are good people, like really good people. Um, but, you know, but, but, but it's ripping apart our country. It is. Of it us is. versus them. You know, in college, I remember reading a novel, I mean, a play called uh, Rhinoceros by Ian Esco. Okay. And the play was about Nazi Germany and how yes. could you know upstanding German citizens with good upbringing and good morals yeah. stand by while in their backyard there were crematoriums yeah. and concentration camps yeah. and do nothing and say nothing. Yeah. And how could they all fall in line behind a clearly crazy fanatical totalitarian leader like yes. Hitler? And and it and it, it you know it was the banality of evil. You know, Hannah Arendt talked about the banality of evil, and I think we're in that moment where our democracy is being threatened. Yes, uh, in many ways, but in particularly in this way, and the democracies around the world are being threatened. And it's this problem that isn't organic; it's manufactured. So we're manufacturing hate. We're manufacturing divisiveness. Yes. We're manufacturing yes. disconnection. And I think that's what really worries me is that. You know, people are generally good, I think. I think people are generally wanting good things for themselves and their families and their communities and their nation. But when that gets shifted through this manipulation yes. that is invisible, that's coming through our technology, yes, and that there are big players who understand this, who use it against us, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, so, so, what, what, what's real, so I've spent a, a great deal of time um, not only um, seeing all the ads that, that Trump runs uh, on Facebook, and if any of your uh, listeners want uh, to see the ads, uh, you can uh, just go into Google and type in Facebook library and put in there Donald Trump, and you, you can see all the ads. Mm. Uh, you can see all the ads for any of the politicians. 
yeah. uh, to see what they're running. Facebook has now made that transparent, which which is a good thing to yeah. People should see it. Um, it's the Facebook library, right? Um, and uh, something you just said just really resonates with me because I've spent a lot of time not just studying the ads, but uh, watching a lot of the Trump rallies. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I actually want to go to a Trump rally. Because I think it'd be really interesting. They'll get targeted because they they ping your phone. Yeah. If your location services are on, and they ping your phone, and they know where you're at. Yeah, but but you know what? <laughs> get over it. All right. So, so, so all of this stuff does. Yeah. So does every single. Right. Exactly. Have, right. Right. Like get, so, don't sign up for it. If you don't want it, don't sign up for like it. Like I'm on Google Drive right now, and I have all these questions about all this. Is Google reading my documents and then using that? somehow and selling it because <laughs> that's terrifying to me um in google documents i'm actually not sure yeah i i, I, I don't want to because like when you have an email I don't and you have google it. gmail and then you type in something and then you get an ad for something that was in your email so let me come back to what i was okay just okay sorry right. i get distracted um uh americans uh wh whether you're wearing a make america great again hat or uh you want uh, somebody else to be president, right? If you, if you put those people together, um, they have common interests, yeah. common concerns, common desires, common fears. And it kind of goes like this. Uh, I'd like the ability to have a job uh, so I, I can make money and take care of myself and my family. Uh, I'd like to be able to have health care so I, I, I don't have to worry about um, illnesses. Uh, I'd like my children to have a good education uh, and I'd like to have safety yeah. and I don't really want to have to worry about food, mm. right? Um, I, I don't think there are many Americans who would argue that they agree with those yeah, statements. For sure. Right? So um, I, I don't like this division <clears throat> of Republican versus Democrat, Yeah. us versus them. Right. Right. No, we're all human beings. First, yeah. First. American and, and, second. And, <laughs> American second. And just break down like what's important to us, right? As individuals. Like, I want to go out there and start hugging uh, all these people who have uh, Make America Great hats on again and be like, we're the same thing. Yeah. We care about the same stuff. For sure. And where it gets really ugly, really, really ugly. And I'm glad you brought up. Uh, and I know that's true because I, I take care of yeah. everybody, right? Yeah. I take care of, you know, all religions, all political persuasions, you know, in my office. And everybody's a human being first, and that's where I connect with them. I mean, that's the beauty of our country is, you know, we have freedom of choice and freedom of belief systems and freedom of all this stuff. But like... Not but, so much but let's, anymore. Well, well let's... Let's just remember that we, we all care about each other, the future of our country, mm -hmm. the future of our children, the future of our own health, the future of education, and we're all in this together, right? Uh, what's horrible is when uh, politics gets in the way, power and greed gets in the way, and uh, people of power and greed don't mind uh, using fear against people to get them to hate others hmm. us versus the, them yeah it doesn't make sense no it just how can you hate other people that you've never met yeah like that, does, that doesn't make sense yeah it just doesn't make sense but that is absolutely what's happening mm -hmm. our country is absolutely being divided apart 
Um, there's a great, there's a great movie called The Sacrifice uh, by Darren Brown. People should watch it. It's on Netflix, and it shows how uh, this American who was very um, much against immigration, who was very racist uh, against Hispanics and Mexicans, um, was put through a process of understanding the humanity yeah. of yeah. everyone and yeah. and connecting with actual human beings. He was a white were, supremacist, right? Yes, who were actual you know Mexicans or immigrants, and in the film, he gets him to have so much empathy and connection with these people he thought were evil and bad and taking his what was rightfully his that he was willing to take a bullet for someone who he barely knew who was yeah. uh, a Mexican immigrant yeah that you know, so I met that guy Darren Brown I, I, or the guy yeah, who met, would no, take Darren the bullet <laughs> so that him. people should watch it because it shows how, how much we are all just really a conversation or two away from yeah, actually and, and then let me just use one more example because because you use nazi germany and that's that's like an obvious one to go towards uh but if people have studied uh the genocide in rwanda yeah right where uh one million um tutsi were slaughtered uh by the hutu, the hutu yeah. in 100 days yeah. one million and it was their neighbor. It was like the person who lived next door. It wasn't some remote community somewhere. Like really, like not their neighbor in terms of like border. No, like right like, next door. Right, the next and door you, neighbor. You, go to, you went to school with them and all stuff. How did this happen? All right, and the history of it's really fascinating. Mm. Uh, going back to uh, end of World War I, uh, the, uh, the uh, Belgian uh, went into the, uh, Congo. into the Congo and they also went into Rwanda. Rwanda. And they said, huh, we're going to give you a card that says you're Tutsi and you guys a card that says you're Hutu. Literally arbitrary. It wasn't by culture. It wasn't by race. It wasn't by anything. Right? And they just made sure that they were a lot fewer of the ruling class that were the Tutsi. And they're up for a lot more of the working class that were the Hutu. Right? And they're because the, a smaller class of privileged people are easier to control for the Belgium right? mm. to suck money out of the working class of the Hutu. Uh, back then, uh, the communication channel was radio. Yeah. Right. So, what started uh, this genocide? Uh, the Hutu got hold of the national radio and said, "The Tutu are about to slaughter, slaughter us. Get to them first. That was it. That was it. Just these a soundbite. These people have been oppressing us, and now they're about to slaughter us. Grab your knives, your forks, your axes, your everything." get to them before they kill us first yeah holy shit a million people slaughtered next door neighbors yeah so um so don't ever underestimate what's possible right what was also fascinating is the end of that story which is when kagami who yeah. you could debate whether he's a good ruler or not it was the president of rwanda yeah. came, came in back. as an autocrat essentially but said look the end of this you're all going to talk to each other you're all going to say you're sorry and you're all going to live together in harmony. And here's how you're going to do it. He also said, so, "Burn those cards," and right. it's now illegal to refer to anybody as a Hutu or Tutsi. Yeah, and it was sort of like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission yeah. in South yeah. Africa. It was very similar. Yeah. And when you see the movie about this, it's just yeah. extraordinary how literally, you know, it'd be like me going over and killing your parents and your kids, absolutely, and then me having to sit down with you, absolutely. and have a conversation, absolutely. Like if that can happen there. 
And by the way, you know. that was on the local radio station out there. Everybody. Now realize we're living in a world where hate groups or people of power or politicians can get so deep into your individual head yeah. and the head of those who are in your immediate community to drive so much hate, so much anger so, so let's let, mysterious. So, other. what do we do about this? We talk about data rights. Should, yeah. should we actually regulate data privacy differently? What are the ways that we can combat this? How does the individual protect themselves? How do we not get sucked into this manipulation? How do we actually get our democracy back? I mean, these are the questions that I'm thinking about. I don't have the answers to, but maybe you do. So, unfortunately, I don't think it's a data thing. And unfortunately, I don't think these uh, big companies are going to self regulate because they make money doing it and they'll accept money from anybody doing it and that's our capitalist society and I don't think it's going to be regulated by by government because um, the regulators um, have no idea how it all works mm. so they don't know what to regulate there are a bunch of really good people out there who care a ton about this stuff a very good friend of mine Tristan Harris a guy named John Bordwick a whole bunch of people who are really trying to figure this stuff out um, within the government no from oh. the private sector oh. a bunch of us that kind of like grew up building this stuff this stuff and then being like oh shit what did we build so yeah. now it's kind of like our like by the way yeah. yeah i'll say i'm sorry like i am really really sorry because i took place of, of building something uh for financial benefit and i didn't realize the harm it was going to do and mia culpa oh shit and i'm not just going to say sorry i'm going to do something about it to try and fix it for the future of society um what i hope what I really, really hope for. I mean, you, it's like you invented a car, but then you didn't realize people are going to be driving in through crowds and killing people, right? Like that, sort of it. Well, it's a little bit worse than that, to be honest, <laughs> because um, advertising and convincing people to buy stuff, and then uh, being and and knowing how uh, potent um, this form of communication is. Once you are able to do psychological profiling on people by what they listen to, what they watch, blah blah blah. Yeah. So the the most important thing, like right now like here and now is uh people what they read what they see um what, what they view as video don't take it as fact yeah full stop research the hell out of it all right we don't live in a world where just because you read something or see a video or um it's on your internet feed don't think he came from a scholar or yeah. from somebody who's yeah. an expert yeah i mean holy shit if my car breaks down right and i need to be able to fix my car uh, i'm not going to go online and listen to some phony telling me about how to go into my car and fix my carburetor yeah no i'm going to go and find an expert mechanic to know how to do that otherwise my children are going to get into a car and i'm going to drive off a cliff mm -hmm. and die right so Please, everybody uh, who's... Buyer beware, reader beware. But it's m reader, question, question all of it and realize that most of it out there is fiction. Yeah. Or most of it, if it's not fiction, it's opinion. And then before you trust someone's opinion, make sure that they're qualified Yeah. to have that type of... 
is that somebody who you should be listening to? How do you do that? I mean, the average person, like, how do you vet whether this is true or not? I read articles all the time. Like, I look at the, where the, the authorship is. I look at who they are. I look at where they work for. I mean, I, I try to do that, but it's, it's tough. Like, even in science, we think science is this pristine field. But, you know, much of science is funded by industry. Much of the data is manipulated to shape it into outcomes that the funder wants. Um, the, how about this? Take your time. Take your fucking time, all right? We're all going from article to article to article. We all have to open up all of our email addresses. We have to get back to everybody's text. And we have so much we have to do. So we just read the headline or, no, 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 no. Take your time. Be curious. It's confusing. You know, you watch CNN and then you flip to Fox and you feel like you're living in two different planets. 100%. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. I mean, they can't both be right. So, so they, at, maybe so they're at, both wrong. So, to, at a minimum, at a, and by the way, this drives me crazy. It drives me fucking batshit crazy living in New York, right? So, all the people I know, they watch CNN, they watch NBC, they read the New York Times. I'm like, okay, well, how often do you watch Fox? Yeah. And how often do you, oh, we, oh I can't stand that. What are you talking about? At least listen to both sides. Oh, yeah. And the same thing to people who might read Breitbart or might watch Fox. At least listen to the other side. Yeah. If it's opinion-based stuff, right? Right. At least see both arguments of it. And Where then, is Walter Cronkite then, when we need him? And then <laughs> be proud of being... If you don't want to be manipulated, if you don't and you don't think you can be manipulated and you don't think you can be brainwashed then at least listen to all the arguments yeah and then you can make up your own mind yeah otherwise if you're only listening to one of the arguments by definition you're being brainwashed by that argument okay. and you're not making up your own decision so basically we need to be more astute discerning readers of content and not trust it as fact number one number two what about regulations on our digital data or should we actually be like looking at our phones and saying turn off all the tracking things and turn off like our Google changing our privacy settings and I mean how do we how do we protect ourselves besides just being smart about well, what we're reading? so listen my, my, my hope like my big hope and this is what should happen because we're an educated society we really are an educated society um, if people literally listen to both sides of an argument then they can choose who they're going to trust as their curator or teacher mm -hmm. of information. Mm -hmm. And therefore, less people will be reading um, false information. And remember, these are just businesses that all make money off of advertising. So if less people are reading stuff that's untruthful, right, they'll go out of business. Yeah. They literally will go out of business because they're not making money off of advertising. That's something we can do. What, what else can we do like besides that? So, but that's a big one. Yeah. That's a really, really big one. Uh, another thing um, you can do, and, and this is fun, um, like really fun, and I, I forgot the, the name of the company, and I wish I had it with me right now. Um, it's an organization um, that, uh, and it's now up to 400,000 people across the globe. Uh, when they uh, read hate news, or see hate messages on the internet and then see recognizable brands like 
Audi, JetBlue, um, Walmart, whatever. Next to those hate messages, they take a screenshot and- They send the, it to the companies? They send it to the companies. They yeah. send it to the JetBlues or the Walmart or the Kmart or whomever, right? So are those companies deliberately selling ads into those hate Absolutely messages? not, absolutely not. Um, those ads get there because of something called um, uh, it's all algorithms right no no, no. Um, um, programmatic media buying oh. which are these big kind of uh, conglomerates that uh, uh, represent all these small little publishers so if like a JetBlue wants to reach all these small little publishers mm. um, they don't even know what the content is that their brand is going to be sitting next to. Mm -hmm. And trust me, like a Walmart, a JCPenney. They don't want their ad. Next they to. do not want their ad sitting next to, you know, neo-Nazi uh, type stuff. So there's that grassroots movements big, that are changing. Big, big thing that people can do. Yeah. Besides that, you know, yeah, you can go live in, in, in a cave. Right? <laughs> Nobody's forcing. My, the guy who mows my lawn, he's like, doesn't have a cell phone. He doesn't have an email. He doesn't have a computer. And he, I thought he was a paranoid screwball. But turns out he may not it's, be. It, it, it's, all, it's all how much we value convenience. Right? And, and what, what about the regulation, legislation? I mean, how do we solve this? Because it terrifies me yeah. to think that our democracy is yeah. on the decline yeah. and that freedom and freedom of choice yeah. and autonomy as a country is yeah. being usurped by yeah. this kind of invisible force that I think some people are using for their particular ends, which may not be laudable, but you know, in themselves aren't necessarily evil, but when you add it all together, it's it's a mess. And, and I, I, I feel terrified for our future and yeah. for my children and grandchildren because I, I don't. I don't understand. I mean, I, I know how to fix the food system. I mean, I yeah. think I do. Anyway, I wrote a book about. It. I have an idea of what the problems are and what yeah. the solutions are. I really, other than like being a smart reader of your newsfeed and, you know, creating a grassroots movement to to pressure companies to not do this, uh, and turning off the tracking on my phone. Like, what what can we do? Yeah, well, so so number one, um, and this is something I did want to say. Um, there's a huge debate right now around whether Facebook and Google should get rid of political ads yeah. right now. Um, and uh, uh, a lot of um, people who are very smart but don't understand uh, the technology all that well yeah. uh, don't realize that if Facebook and uh, Google uh, shut down political ads right now, uh, that is the destruction of democracy. Yeah, because it's both sides. No, no, no because Brad Parscale and Donald Trump have, have already weaponized up. And even if, they shut, even if they shut it all down, they already have relationships with you know, something like 40 million Americans. Their email address can find them and, and all this stuff. Hmm. Because the Democrats are slow, have been slow, slow to the game, uh, this, if uh, the big tech giants were to shut down political ads or the tools that are needed, like custom audiences and lookalikes. If they were to shut it down now, it, uh, this upcoming election 2020, it'd be like uh, uh, Trump has a nuclear weapon and the Democrats have a switchblade. Yeah. If it gets shut down now. So that's terrifying. What, and, and by the way, whatever democracy does, at least uh, all sides should have an equal voice, an equal uh, ability to communicate. Um, mm. with with voters right 
And uh, if the tech job might shut it down right now, uh, only Trump will be able to communicate yeah. effectively. Because, because you know, you, it's true, because what you're saying is that, you know, up to now, the Democrats really haven't, you know, created uh, news, whether it's fake news or whatever. They haven't created their version of fake news or whatever, <laughs> the truth or not. And the Republicans have. And so, so they shut not, it down. So, so again, remember, it's, it's not about fake news. It's about knowing how to put the pieces of the technology puzzle together yeah. to effectively um, uh, understand you as a human being through your own behavior of what you watch, read, care about, to then be able to message to you certain things around those issues and mm -hmm. educate you on who the best candidate is, whether it's Trump or somebody else, yeah. right? Um, that's uh, what uh, Trump has, and Trump is just, Trump's Trump. Brad Parscale is the brilliant digital marketer. B brilliant, okay? Um, so it's just right now uh, that the Democrats are catching up, and in particular, this organization called Acronym, who, who's really good at it. Um, and it's not fake stuff. It's real news. Well, it's real news. It's important stuff. I mean, the other thing is, you know, we've, we've, seen, we've seen the death of local media. Yeah. Uh, the death of local newspapers. Thousands yes. have shut down, which is often the most trusted source of information. But there's a, a company that was formed called Courier Media yeah. to create local um, reporting yes. and local news. It's legitimate, but it speaks to voters in their communities. And that's really what happened in the Virginia election, where the legislature and the governorship switched over uh, for the first time in a generation because they were very smart about using very local, specific, yes. targeted information yes. that was a counterpoint yes. to the other side. And I think that that speaks volumes. And I think, it, you know, right now it seems like David and Goliath <laughs> yeah. and, and, and Courier Media seems like David, but maybe we'll, when these issues sort of come out, I think people will be able to sort of think differently about how, how to go forward in the election. Because I, I um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. I think you know there, there there really are a lot of commonalities and values that that both parties share. Yes, and and that you know the overlaps are often more than the disagreements. Sort of like yes, paleo and vegans, they both agree on almost everything except where you get your protein, and far more in common than, for example, people who eat the standard American diet, right? Yeah. But there are sort of like these opposing camps, and I think the same thing is true in our political process. But we we have to sort of start to to sort of take back our democracy. I think that's that's really the message. Listen, the, 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 the genie's out of the bottle or Pandora's box is open. Uh, we're in a period of time with a brand new, I mean, I just told you, it, for the first time it was ever possible was 2014. Yeah. In the, compared to the history of our country. Yeah. Right, um, that's only five years ago. Yes. That any of this was possible. Yeah. Right? And when I tell you that it's like, exponentially better than television, print, radio, direct mail, any of these other forms yeah. are exponentially, oh, if, sure. done, if done correctly, yeah. if done correctly, then all sides, I don't have to say like right or left, right, left, middle, top, bottom, whomever, it should be, um, uh, everybody should be able to communicate um, using the, the platforms to their best ability, technically. So yeah. you know, I'm trying to help uh, uh, share this methodology that only Brad Parscale 
uh, has been an expert at. Uh, anybody who wants to. So that, you basically invented it. You gave it to him. I didn't give it to him. He it was stole taken it. from me ah. and was handed to that organization. I see. Right. I was just building a business. Yeah. To make money from Democrats and Republicans and centrists and independents, blah blah blah, because there's a billion dollars of political advertising. Yeah. Every election. Seems like a good be, business. So it's going to be really good business. What I didn't know is the guy who I was doing it with was in bed with Trump, and you yeah. know, so we handed it over to Trump and handed it over to this. You know, Brad Parscale was not a very good digital marketer. He yeah. was he was a bankrupt um, web designer. Yeah. But a bankrupt web designer who had the blueprint on how to manufacture a car. Yeah. And like step by step was able to manufacture a car. Wow. And now he does it really, really well. Okay. What final words do you have for everybody mm -hmm. so they don't go uh, slit their wrists or jump off a bridge? Because <laughs> <Sure. laughs> um, I'm like, what are we going to do? Sure. So we're, we're living in a time of absolute freaking chaos. Like, in my, and by the way, um, communication channels like this, right? I think this is the first time in human history that we're, yeah. all, conne we're all connected. Yeah. Um, done correctly, as one species, communicating collectively, we can end climate change. Yes. We can change the food system. Yes. Um, we can uh, educate everybody. We can finally have equality across the board. Uh, we can further science. Uh, and we can come together as a less competitive society uh, and working together to collaborate for everybody's good. Sounds and good. And therefore have better mental health and enjoyable lives hmm. for the first time ever in the history of the human species. And to do that, we need to? To do that, what we need to do is be a lot more discerning about the stuff we take as gospel that we read, that we see in the internet, and realize that for right now, for this moment in time, nobody's regulating it. Nobody's saying whether it's truthful or false. So don't believe 99.9% .9 of it until you can actually go and do the research to figure, use the internet like, to search for a store. Use the internet to search for a product. Yeah. Do not get your news off the internet. But what's frightening to me is you hear Trump say, don't believe what you're reading don't believe what you see, don't believe what you hear, just believe what I say. And I'm like, well, he's also saying the same thing, right? Which is be discerning about what you're reading, about the impeachment, about Russia, about whatever, because- But then just make people back it up with facts. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's an old thing. Just because somebody tells you to jump off a bridge, you're gonna go jump off a bridge? No. But well, like, like literally think before you believe. Think well, before that was you the, do. That, that was the other movie I encourage people to watch called The Push by right. Darren Brown, where he literally in 45 minutes gets totally normal people to commit murder. Really? Yeah. Frightening. That's how manipulatable we are. Yes. That's what yes. we all should be aware of. Yes. Watch the movie The Push. Watch The Sacrifice. Watch The Great Hack. Definitely watch The Great Hack. And Definitely be careful of what you think is fact or fiction. Make sure that you're being, this is the generation. This is the society of the tipping point. So take your time and please don't jump to anger and hate first. Yeah. Give people the benefit of the doubt and realize that we're all in this together. How about right? we lead with love? 
absolutely lead with love, compassion, right? And, uh, and a sense of respect yeah. um, for one another. Um, and, and, and realize that we're, it's very easy to have somebody uh, make you angry, frustrated, yeah. infuriated, and go into battle. Yeah. Don't, be, don't, be, don't be that easily fooled or that easily riled up. Yeah. Um, no, if, if you want to say that you um, have uh, free choice and the ability to make up your own mind, um, then prove it. Yeah, I remember. Don't, don't I, be so easy to be angry. I think that's true. I remember when Dalai Lama said, you know, someone asked him, are you mad at China? He's like, no. He said, they took my country, but they didn't take my soul, my mind. You got it. Or my heart. You got and it. And I think that, I think is a good message to leave with. You got it. So thank you, Andy, for being Thanks on for The Doctor's on. Pharmacy. Uh, if you love this conversation, please share with your friends and family on social media, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Leave a but comment. We'd love to hear from you. Fact check all of it. <laughs> fact check all of it. Uh, you can read the book Targeted, which is also about this. And, um, and you'll hear us next week on The Doctor's Pharmacy talking about another conversation that matters. So see you all later. And I uh, hope this wasn't too depressing, but I think it's good to be empowered. And Andy, thank you so much for being on this podcast. And we'll see you next time on The Doctor's Pharmacy. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Dr. Hyman. Do you have FLC? Well, it's a problem that so many people suffer from and often have no idea that it's not normal, or that you can fix it. So what's FLC? Well, it's when you feel like crap. And you know the feeling. It's when you're super sluggish and achy and tired, your digestion's off, you can't think clearly, you have brain fog, or you just feel kind of run down. Can you relate? I know most people can. In my experience as a practicing physician over the last 30 years, I've identified four main causes that lead to FLC. The first cause is too much sugar in the diet. Surprise. Uh, don't think you eat that much sugar, think again. Processed carbs from bread, pasta, and cereal turn into sugar in the body. In fact, whole wheat bread spikes your blood sugar more than plain old table sugar. A diet that's high in processed carbs and sugars is the number one culprit for FLC. Okay, the second cause of FLC is not enough nutrient-dense whole foods. It's not just about avoiding sugar and processed carbs. It's also about what you do eat. Most of us don't eat enough of the right kinds of foods. This means healthy fats, clean protein, and loads of colorful plant foods. If I look at your plate, I should be able to see a rainbow. The rainbow that comes from Mother Nature, not from candy. All right, the next cause of FLC is eating too late and at the wrong time. The research shows that eating too late disrupts the quality of sleep we get at night, which can make us sluggish the next day. It also makes us hungry and crave carbs and sugar. Research also seems to show that eating too frequently and not giving your body a break from food for 12 to 14 hours negatively impacts the body's circadian rhythms and the repair processes in the body. That's why when we eat is just as important as what we eat. Now the final cause of FLC is not prioritizing sleep. This is the number one mistake I see people make, even those of us who think we're healthy. You see, sleep is when our bodies naturally detoxify and reset and heal. Can you imagine what happens when you don't get enough sleep? You guessed it, you feel like crap. So now that we know what causes FLC, the real question is, what the heck can we do about it? Well, I hate to break the news, but there is no magic bullet solution. FLC isn't caused by one single thing, so there's not one single solution. However, there is a systems-based approach, a way to tackle the multiple root factors 
that contributed to FLC. And that systems-based approach involves three pillars, eating the right food, incorporating two key lifestyle habits, and a few targeted supplements. I've combined all three of these key pillars into my new 10-day reset system. It's a protocol that I've used with thousands of community members over the last few years to help them break free of FLC and reclaim their health. The 10-day reset combines food, key lifestyle habits, and targeted evidence-based supplements. Each of these areas supports our health, but when combined together, they can address the root causes that contribute to FLC. Together, they're a system, and that's why I call my 10-day reset a systems approach. Now, FLC is a diagnosis, it's not a medical condition, it's just something we fall into when life gets busy or when we indulge a little too much around the holidays or don't listen to our body's messages. It's our body out of balance. Now, everyone gets off track here and there, and the 10-day reset was designed to help you get back on track. Now, it's not a magic bullet, it's not a quick fix, it's a system that works. If you wanna learn more and get your health back on track, just visit getpharmacy.com. That's getpharmacy with an F, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y dot com. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional medicine practitioner, you can visit ifm.org and search their Find a Practitioner database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, who's a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.